0: This is Dialogue Gospel Sunday Study. Hello and welcome to Dialogue Gospel Study for May twenty second, 2022 with Jordan Harvey. The lesson today draws from various scriptures in Deuteronomy. I'm Rebecca Deschweinitz, hosting on behalf of the Dialogue Foundation Board. Other board members, Chris uh, Kimball and Michael Austin, are also helping out today. We are thrilled to have Jordan with us and to welcome you all. If you're new to Dialogue Gospel Study, we invite you to check out our previous lessons, which are all available as podcasts or videos, and linked at dialogjournal.com. That website also features the entire run of the journal's scholarship, poetry, essays, sermons, fiction, and art. Today's lesson will be added to that repository. We also extend an invitation to support the work and vision of Dialogue. In the first issue of the journal, founder Eugene England wrote, my faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. Find out about how you can help create a fund that secures the future of dialogue at givetodialogue.com. Those of you with us live on Zoom for today's lesson are welcome to post respectful and relevant comments and questions in the chat. We also invite you to share thoughts and questions if you're tuning in on Facebook Live. Jordan Harvey is a native of Las Vegas, Nevada, and a lifelong member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He comes from a part-member family with interracial parents. Jordan served in the um, Chile-Raconga Mission before attending Brigham Young University and teaching at the Missionary Training Center. Following college, Jordan attended the George Washington University Law School and now practices law in the Washington, D.C. area. In 2017, he co-founded the BYU Black Alumni Society and currently serves on its board of directors. Jordan enjoys cooking, discussing politics, and spending time with his wife, Tanisha. Uh, And I'll just also mention that uh, Tanisha is one of our dialogue contributors. You can find a personal essay that she wrote uh, in our fall 2019 issue entitled Pioneer Day. Uh, And I also just wanted to mention uh, just a little bit more about the BYU Black Alumni Society. Uh, You can find out their website is uh, byubas.org. Their mission is to support the educational, professional, and social development of BYU alumni and students of the African diaspora. Um, And they do all sorts of really uh, important work that has made uh, a big difference, uh, both in terms of the environment on BYU campus um, and the success of um, Black students there, as well as kind of um, going out from BYU uh, and doing amazing things um, across the world. As is true with uh, any Latter-day Saint scripture study class, the views expressed today are those of the individual teacher. They do not necessarily reflect those of the Dialogue Foundation, Brigham Young University, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or any other organization. Our opening prayer today will be offered by Andrew Gonzalez. Andy was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. He's the first generation Ecuadorian-American who grew up in the LDS Church. Andy served in the Peru-Lima North Mission and subsequently attended BYU, where he majored in political science. Following college, Andy attended BYU Law and graduated in 2016. He currently works as a deputy district attorney for the Salt Lake County District Attorney's Office. In his spare time, Andy enjoys golfing, playing basketball, going to the movies, and spending time with friends and family. He's an avid Lakers fan and is looking forward to an improved 2022-23 season. Uh, Lastly, Andy and Jordan became friends nearly a decade ago while they both interned for the late Senator Harry Reid in Washington, D.C., and have been close friends ever since. Later, our closing prayer will be offered by Rhea Maines, who is a neuroscience graduate from BYU. Following graduation, she established a career in wealth management. She now invests her time in her children and causes close to her heart. Rhea currently serves with Jordan in the BYU Black Alumni Society on the board of directors. She lives with her family in New York City and enjoys ballet classes, family brunch, and Formula One. Our music today, uh, both starting us out and rounding things up later, features Kirk Franklin and family performing Silver and Gold.
1: Our dear Heavenly Father, Um, We are grateful for this day um, and the chance we have to um, listen to Jordan's uh, inspired teachings uh, regarding the Old Testament and principles that we can apply in our lives today. We're thankful for the gospel and for our Savior Jesus Christ and um, for the chance we have to meet together to discuss relevant topics and um, to understand ways that we can um, apply these teachings and um, Go closer to Thee. We're thankful, Father, for the diversity that we have in the gospel, and for the di- diversity in thought and perspectives, and in cultures, and that we can share those uh, with each other in a um, in an environment like this. Father, we pray that um, that they may bless uh, Jordan, that he can uh, be inspired and feel the Spirit as he shares his thoughts with us today. And these things we pray in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: Okay. Um, I first want to say thank you to everyone
3: uh, involved with dialogue and putting this together. Um, uh, Very excited to be here and be able to share a few thoughts. Um, And I want to also thank Andy and Ray uh, for joining and, and offering prayers. I'm surprised Andy would even bring up basketball when, you know, he knows how it goes when we get our one-on-one going. So, right. He, he really is a Lakers fan, you know. I hope that's not recorded. That's fake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, I um, really wanted to start with that song because it sort of goes along with um, the theme of, of what I'll be addressing today. Um, but if, you haven't heard the song before, you're not familiar with Kirk Franklin, um, one of the biggest, most famous uh, gospel artists, contemporary gospel artists. Uh, And the audio, when it's played over over Zoom, is kind of difficult, I think, sometimes to hear. Um, But the song is called Silver and Gold. And um, as they say sort of over and over, um, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. No fame or fortune, no riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold, and um, as we sort of talk today about what, um, what it says in Deuteronomy and, and in other scriptures about where our priorities should be and what we should be focusing on um, in this life, uh, I just thought that was a good
2: a good place to start, um, so let's see, let's see if I can figure out how to share my screen, um,
3: Okay. Did this right. Okay. Um, can you give me a thumbs up if it's showing? It says Deuteronomy. Okay. Um, so there were a lot of different parts, as you know, of the Come Follow Me for this week, and it covers a bunch of chapters. I was sort of really struck by, um, thank you, Rebecca. Uh, I was really struck by Deuteronomy 15
2: uh, for a number of reasons. Um, but I wanted to start um, here, and hopefully this video works.
4: It's so hard to hear the raw grief of all of these family members and employees just trying
0: to make sense of how their lives have been ruined in just the space of a few minutes by a horrible, hateful person. To hear Fragrance just tell you that she's had to teach her children to become small and invisible in this country because you just never know when you're going to be the victim of a mass shooting, and just the raw grief that the other families are dealing with. It's all so overwhelming, and, I mean, as they've said so uh, eloquently, it
4: just feels so hopeless at times.
5: Listen, I, I was counting in the car talking with my producer. I've done 15 of these, at least the ones I could count. And we keep having the conversation about... Democrats will say guns, Republicans will say mental health, and nothing will change. And I'll probably do another one this year. Family after family, having nowhere to go with their grief. We'll get into a political conversation later, but is this the way we're supposed to live? Are we destined to just keep doing this city after city? Have we just resigned that this is what we are going to be? I'm gonna give it back to you.
4: Yeah, we share those sentiments and on some days it feels like that.
2: Thank you for playing that. Uh, gonna sh- uh, Michael, would you, if I'm not able to share my screen. It's right now. Perfect. Okay. So I wanted to share that for
3: a couple of reasons as we get started. The first is um, I feel like one thing that I struggle with a lot is oftentimes the things that weigh heaviest on my soul are the things and seem to be the only things that are too taboo to talk about at church. Um, the things that I really need spiritual healing for um, don't get brought up, are, as, as the reporter mentioned, somehow become political and therefore um, inappropriate for a church setting, um, and I'm not sure how many of you um, had anyone discuss during sacrament meeting or, or Sunday school last week at church. Um, the Buffalo shooting. Um, I, I know I didn't. Um, and uh, for the years of, of um, hatred and violence, race motivated and otherwise, um, I've never heard anything. Um, sometimes there will be sort of a, a vague reference to um, difficult things happening. or So, so I, I guess I just wanted to share this um, because I think in a gospel setting, um, is definitely, you know, the one place we should be able to talk about the things that are, that are hurting us, that are, um, that are testing, us spiritually. Um, and I really appreciated his question, is this the way we're supposed to live? Um, and, you know, the answer is no. Um, and the, the way that, our society has dealt with these in terms of the inaction, um, is not the way that our heavenly parents want us to live and to exist in this world. It's wrong. It's not what the savior wants. Um, and the inaction goes against their plan for our lives and our happiness. Um, so I just wanted to say that, um, the second reason that I wanted to, um, raise this is because, um, it sort of gets at um, a little bit of Deuteronomy 15. Um, Everything that took place last week and the other um, shootings like it that are race motivated or, you know, they're all motivated by hate of some kind um, are, you know, there are many different causes of them. One of the things that I thought was interesting in terms of what we're going to talk about today is that one of the primary causes is um, the effects of income inequality in a society, that the more um, unequal a society is, or economically, the more likely it is to have this kind of violence. Um, and so I just thought that that was um, a pretty interesting tie-in. Of course, these shootings um, entail much more than just um, what's the term, economic uh, desperation or, or uh, income inequality and things like that. There's much more in play here, but, but this does play a factor. Um, so starting off with Deuteronomy 15, um, obviously here in Deuteronomy, Moses is sort of laying out a series of laws for um, the Israelites to follow. This new group of people who have been liberated from bondage, embarking out on their own and not really having as we saw from sort of like the golden calf and you know him having to throw down the tablets and go get more um this is a group that isn't steeped in a culture of religious adherence religious observance um and so sort of from that example at the first sign of trouble when they don't know where Moses is they're like well what are we used to what have we done let's just make a calf that's what that's what they did in Egypt and so, you know, this this lack of a spiritual foundation um, and religious uh, practice and observance, uh, Moses, um, being the mouthpiece of the Lord, has to create all of that. And so, um, Deuteronomy fifteen is talking about one of these rules. At the end of sever- every every seven years, thou shalt make a release. The footnote is a pardoning or a cancellation of debts. Um, every creditor that lends um, uh, shall release, and he shall not exact of his neighbor or his brother, because it's called the Lord release, Lord's release. Um, in verse four, uh, it says, "Save when there shall be no poor among you." The footnote there um, in the LDS scripture is that the Hebrew is better translated as "to the end that there be no needy among you." So, for the purpose of eliminating poor in your society. We have this rule about a release. Um, and it says, For the Lord will uh, greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it. Uh, only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do
2: all these commandments which I command thee this day. So he's given this rule and said, this rule is for the purpose that there's no needy among you. This is a financial
3: uh, regulation. This is a rule um, to meet those temporal needs. Um, And it says that at the end of four, because the Lord is going to greatly bless you in the land, right? There's going to be enough. So there's no need for there to be any poor. Unless of course you're not hearkening to my commandments. In five, But if you
2: are, and if we follow this, this is one way that there can be no poor among you. So as it goes on, um, Lord continues to go through Moses,
3: of course. Um, if, there be a, if there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of the gates, uh, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor
2: brother, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him. Thou shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need. Beware that there be not a wicked, a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year
3: of release, is at hand. And thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest
2: him not. And he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. And so this sort of struck me because I could definitely see somebody trying to be slick
3: uh, and say, Oh, the seventh year, seventh year is coming up. Right. It's December 30th. Let me go ahead and take out a little loan. Let me go ahead and borrow a little money. Right. And in two days it's got to be forgiven. Right. Uh, I could see people being like, no, I'm not giving you anything. Right. (laughs) We're two days away. You're not getting a dime from me. In nine, it says, um, that that's a wicked thought, right? That, that you know, to have an evil eye against your poor brother, um, it would be sinful to have that mentality. So I want everybody to start thinking of this question. You can start putting it in the chat. I'm going to go to another slide and talk about some things while, while you're uh, adding things in the chat, and then we'll come back to it. Why do you think the Lord has declared it wicked, evil, sinful to not provide for the needs of the poor? I think sometimes we think, oh, providing for the needs of the poor, that's a good thing. That's something we should do. That's a as though it's almost a bonus, an add-on. Why is the Lord saying it's wicked, evil, and sinful not to do those things? Go ahead and add some things in the chat, and we'll come back to it and look at some of the answers. Moving on to 10, the Lord sort of keeps going with this. Thou shalt surely give him... And thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thine hand unto. So it's not only that this is something that you're supposed to do with your blessings, it's the reason you got the blessings in the first place, right? It's the reason, we sort of saw this in 4, in verse 4, a couple slides back. The reason you're being blessed is not just for you. It's so that you can bless others that don't have as much. For this thing, the Lord thy God shall bless thee. The purpose of this abundance, the purpose of this divine administration of goods, of favorable weather for your crops, all of that, that we pray for and that we give thanks for, it's so that we can bless others.
2: Um, Oh, yeah. So sort of showing I guess the parallels there um
3: that's the reason for the great blessing so I want to go to the chat now and go to these questions or these answers to, to that question I have
2: below um, Chris said Chris do you want to go ahead and read yours
4: um
5: yeah there were a couple I guess oh oh I don't think there, I had an answer there, but I'll talk anyway. Um, I, the, the one here that's read is pretty hard to love your neighbor without caring for them. Um, my, my thought was that if you follow your point that we are given blessings for the purpose of blessing others, um, it's a, if you start with that for the purpose, it's a denial of that purpose. It's like rejecting, rejecting the gift if you don't pass it on.
3: Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate it. And I saw that you had commented, I think, before I asked the question. That's what I was referring yeah. to. Uh, so I apologize for that. Um, and Rebecca, I see yours um, as well. Why sinful to not provide for the poor? Um, not a bonus. I appreciate that um yeah, so uh, so i love
0: thinking about it that way jordan that this idea like we so often you know think of doing um caring for the poor uh, as something that gets us bonus points <laughs> rather than uh you know not doing that is actually regarded as sin um you know that's a really different framework from how most of us think about it most of the time. Um, and I'm also just, uh, you know, really struck in thinking about the calling out that gets done here is not for folks who are misused, you know, might be misusing the system, according to, you know, one perspective, like you're taking out, you know, a loan kind of the late time, because you know, it's going to be, um, you know, forgiven, like that's not who God calls out, He calls out the people who are refusing to be generous, to um, to not um, you know provide for those who who have needs, um, and that's just like just observation. Like that is you know the concern. Um, for most of for most folks today is like oh we better not give because people are going to misuse it you know they're like you know not doing their part um, but there's no condemnation here for for you know any kind of possible misuse of the of the system
3: um, but only for those who who won't follow this practice. Thank you so much. That's such a great point. Contrasting who the Lord is sort of condemning or chastising and who he's not um just said we cannot be of one heart and one mind when our neighbors have important unmet needs no unity without justice uh you must have gotten a copy of my powerpoint ahead of time because that's exactly where we're going thank you so much for that um
5: could i jordan I, I just add that because it kept coming to mind as we were as i was listening to you and and rebecca this um the the verse we know out of james 1 that defines religion um religion accepts as, that that god accepts as pure and faultless is to look after orphans and widows in their distress that's again not a nice to have but uh defining this is this is um uh, by definition what we are to be doing
3: thank you so much i appreciate that exactly right so i want to talk about um, the first slide says avoiding the uh, the destructive sin of uh, someone just put in the chat about Mosiah four. We're gonna we're we're getting there. I appreciate that. Um, the destructive sin of, of inequality, and so I want to kind of break it down in two parts. There's sort of an individual impact or an individual set of um, considerations as we look at these and the commandments of the Lord regarding it. And then there's sort of a, a larger societal impact that wealth inequality or, uh, or income inequality or whatever it is, um, has uh, as demonstrated by, by the scripture. Something that struck me as I sort of started looking in this and you go cross-referencing in the topical guide and everything across all the scriptures is that the language used by the Lord and his servants in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price is almost identical, right? It's all the same. So this is not just like, you know, one of those shellfish rules from the Old Testament, or like how many steps you can, take, you know, some, some things that we sort of say, oh, that's an Old Testament thing, right? We're, we're on a whole different program. This is one of the unique, um, instances where this is present throughout, uh, all four books of scripture, right? And I guess you can say five, if you want to separate Old Testament and New Testament, um, consistent throughout. So I kind of just want to go, go through them because they were, they kind of, um, hit me. Um, of course we have the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward. Uh, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, don't sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do. Uh, I wanted to add this one in because it says, uh, uh, hypocrites, it's Greek for pretenders, uh, a play actor, one who feigns, represents dramatically, or exaggerates a part. Um, And I thought that was so important, um, and just so interesting, rather. Uh, that, you know, the folks who give in that way or for that reason, um, they have the glory of men, Um, they have their reward, right? When we do our alms, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing, Um, do it in secret. So another question um, for folks to to put in the chat, uh, put their answers in the chat, obviously, Giving to the poor and, and those who don't have enough for their needs um, is good for those people, right? Whether it's done publicly with a loud trumpet uh, and a play actor and, and all that kind of stuff, even if someone does give in that way, that's still objectively just a good thing for the people who need you know those resources. And so for the Lord to focus here on the people doing the giving,
2: he says, no, don't, don't do it like this. Do it in secret. So, the purpose of that can't be for the benefit of the poor, right?
3: The purpose of saying do it in secret—it helps the poor either way. So, what is what personal growth or what benefit does the Lord want us to gain by giving in secret? How does that help us? We know what the benefit of giving publicly or in secret does for those who need it, but this comes for uh, this commandment comes for us. Why does He want us to do this? How is this going to help us? The commandment doesn't come unless it's going to going to help us. So think about that, put it in the chat. i um, going to move on and talk about um, as he continues the Sermon on the Mount, the Savior says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, kind of going back to Deuteronomy 15. Um, and there's a part in Deuteronomy 15 that we didn't talk about. Um, and it talks about that if you have an indentured servant, that is sort of uh, given to you to work off their debts that after they've worked off their debt you're not supposed to send them away and say okay you worked off your debt have a good life now you're supposed to give them meat from um from your livestock wheat from um from your stores uh and you're supposed to leave give them something to leave with that is plentiful basically um and the lord says at the end of saying you know you need to if this indentured servant works for you and blah, 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 send them away, you know, with their arms full of all of this great stuff. And he says, and thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. You, you were all slaves in Egypt. You know what that's like. And the Lord redeemed you. Therefore, I command you to do the same to someone else who has to sell their labor, um, maybe under duress or involuntarily. Um, And it's sort of this forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? The Lord liberated us. Let us not be the uh, perpetrators of economic servitude to others. Um, And I sort of thought about the parable of the unforgiving servant from Matthew 18. Um, I had a couple of slides on it, but it's like way too much. Uh, So I got rid of them. Um, Coming back to this question,
2: what personal growth does the Lord want us to experience through giving in secret? Um, okay, we have one here. Uh, Andy, if, if you're still on,
3: do you want to read um, what is said here uh, by G.F. Erickson in Deuteronomy 8?
1: Like the, the statement that he made? Yeah, yeah, if you just okay. want to read the G. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So uh, GF Erickson stated uh, in Deuteronomy 8, the Israelites are told that the wealth and other blessings they have come from God and not their own abilities, and that their abilities come from God. That contrasts with the common belief, oops, I just got pushed, that uh, we've earned and can keep whatever we have. Do you want me to read Tanisha's too?
2: Sure, yeah, it would be great.
1: Uh, Tanisha stated, this just reminds me that our ultimate goal is to be to be holy the way he is holy. The way to be holy is to be pure of heart and to give to others. That is what the Lord wants for the children of Israel and what he wants for us.
3: Thanks, Andy. I appreciate that. And thank you for the thank you to the commenters um, for that. I agree with both of those comments. Yeah, so Um, I I love
0: I love thinking about um, kind of both of that, both of those Thoughts like the goal is to be holy, right? It's not, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's to, the, there's two, go- like, there's goals to provide for the needy, but the goal is also like the larger goal is to be holy. And one of that, one of the ways that you become holy is by realizing that everything that you have, <laughs> um, you know, is from God and that you're not separated and you're not so different from um, your fellow human beings who don't have as much. Right. So, so it's, it's kind of all connected that way. I was, I was also um, kind of reflecting on your earlier comments of the, the purpose of abundance again is not for individuals. Um, And so it's, but it's for the community, it's for society. And I think that um, that, Giving in secret helps to reinforce that idea of what abundance is for, right? Because if we're if we're known to be giving, then there's still attention on us, right? It's still about like you know me, I'm giving. <laughs> uh, whereas if you're giving in secret, then it's just going into the community, and it, there's no attention drawn um, to you as an as an individual, right? And we're really remembering like that abundance is not about us. Um, but it's that it's the purpose of that is really for the larger um, society of God's children.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
5: Yeah. Um, Jordan, I thought, I thought here, it, it occurs to me that if you start, if you listen to all this from a starting point of a, prosperity gospel or a transactional gospel, it doesn't really make sense. Um, if you, but if you are forced to, there, because it doesn't make sense to think in terms of uh, what I might call a relational gospel, a, a gospel of relationships, um, it does make sense. It does start making sense in that way, um, I, you know, not for my own uh, reward, But because this is the way we, as Rebecca was saying, the way we build a community, the way we work with others and with God.
3: Thank you. Yeah. And and I think that ties in with with what Tanisha was saying, right, that ultimately our purpose in coming to this earth and and of life is um, to become holy the way he is holy, to become like him. And so, you know, I think that this commandment, uh, it's almost like that scripture that talks about how we need to share our testimony with others and that both the hearer and the speaker of the testimony are both edified and rejoiced together. It's, I hope that's what it says. Uh, it says something like that. Um, I think this is similar, right? That when we cultivate this attitude of love for our neighbor, that someone commented in the chat, um, you know, we give and both that, that person's temporal needs uh, are met, and we are also edified spiritually. We become more sanctified like our Savior um, because we've that. Um, go ahead.
0: yeah, some of the, uh, just so much kind of percolating <laughs> with this lesson. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, you know, this practice, like the seven, you know, no more than seven years kind of in, in servitude, the every seven years we're forgiving debts. We're kind of having this, um, you know, readjustment, the Lord's readjustment, um, Uh, is reminding us really of the impermanence of all of that material and then centering us back on like one of the folks in chat brought up, you know, love of um, love of God, love of neighbor, that this is really, um, you know, the center point of what it means to be God's people.
3: Absolutely. Um, I'm looking at the time and I don't, we definitely don't have time to go through all of Mosiah 4. but Mosiah 4, as you all know, is, you know, a master class in, by King Benjamin in the way that we're supposed to care for one another. Um, and I just want to read a couple of verses before moving on. Um, obviously, in 16 and 17, he's talking about the beggars um, that put up their petition to um, to folks, you know, with of more means. Um, and, you know... Uh, the folks who turned them away um, in 18, it says the whole, but I say unto you, O man, whosoever doeth this, the same hath great cause to repent. So hearkening back to what we were talking about, that to not care for the poor and needy is a sin that requires our repentance. Except he repenteth of that which he hath done, he perisheth forever and hath no interest in the kingdom of God. For behold, are we not all beggars? right? Almost going back to, again, Deuteronomy fifteen fifteen. you were slaves in Egypt. You were bondsmen in Egypt. You know what that's like. I liberated you. You need to liberate others. Um, do we not all depend upon the same being, even God, for all the substance which we have, food and raiment, gold and silver, all the riches that we have of every kind? Um, and in 20, he talks about us um, begging for a remission of sins, that Other folks, you know, are out here begging for food, for the necessities, and we beg for a remission of sins. And the Lord answers uh, our pleas.
2: And so who are we to not answer the pleas of others? Um, And um, 26, Um, King Benjamin says that, It's for the sake of retaining a remission of our sins from
3: day to day that we've been given this commandment. So I think this is a sort of a new category, right, that it's sinful to not give. And so when we don't give, when we don't care for those less fortunate, we can't obtain a remission of our sins. We can't walk guiltless before God, like it says right there in twenty-six because we haven't imparted of our substance to the poor um, and the hungry and the naked and visited the sick and administered their relief. Um, I think this is sort of another element um, of how spiritually important it is for us to give and also what a spiritual detriment it is when we have an attitude of not giving right? And at the beginning, a couple of slides back, you know, King Benjamin talks about judging those who, um, who ask and and we say, oh, it's their own fault that they're in this position. Why should I give from what I've worked hard for, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's a, I, you know, I think that's a sinful attitude. Um, and we need to repent, um, and do better. And if we don't, you know, um, we, we have an issue, uh, with the Lord. Um, I want to turn now um, Just looking at the time. I want to turn to um, looking at the societal impact, right? What this looks like on a societal level rather than just our own spiritual growth, retaining a remission of our sins from day to day um, by having this attitude of giving and, and generosity to, to the less fortunate. Um, in Alma 1, um, Talks about this society um, that uh, that was created uh, after, of course, uh, the King Benjamin's piece that we just looked at. Um, they did not set their heart upon riches. Right. They were liberal to all um, in the things. Uh, they did not send away any who were naked, who were hungry, uh, who were athirst, who were sick, who had been nourished. Um, this is what the Lord expects of us and asks of us. Um, couple more of these scriptures and I'd like to get a reaction from the panelists. Um, Going back to Acts chapter two, right? This is so right after um, the savior is resurrected. um, He's there for 40 days, I think. um, And then he leaves. Right. And now Peter's there and he's like, okay, what are we supposed to do? Right. And they have the day of Pentecost, people speaking in tongues, this great spiritual uh, revival um, uh, awakening. And um, in that same chapter, um, as part of that revival, uh, it says that after that, and they were all sort of had this huge spiritual experience together. Um, all that believed were together. They had all things in common. Um, they sold their possessions and good, and uh, goods. They parted them to all men as every man had need. Um, and they met together with singleness of heart, and The footnote there for things in common, I thought it was so interesting, consecration. That once again, this isn't just a, oh, wow, the day of Pentecost, that must have been great, right? That's really cool that they did that back then. Um, We believe in making covenants of consecration. um, And that this is the goal. This is um, where we should be striving to get and we should do things in our personal lives or on a societal or community level that bring us nearer to this goal of consecration. Um, In Doctrine and Covenants 51, the Lord actually commanded the saints in our day, uh, kind of our day, uh, to do this thing, right? Edward Partridge was the bishop, um, and uh, he was commanded to do this right? Uh, Appoint unto this people their portions, every man equal according to his family, according to his circumstances and his wants and needs. Um, And right after this slide, I want to ask for some some feedback. But um, again, going to Acts 4, uh, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Uh, And neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed. So they didn't talk about the things they have. They talked about um, who they were, who they were trying to become, who they worshipped. They had all things in common. Uh, And, of course, reading one heart and and one soul can't help but think of Moses 7, right? Um, And the Lord called his people, the people of Enoch, Zion, because they were of one heart and one mind and dwelt in righteousness, and there was no poor among them. So I think what I'm trying to convey here with these, like, busy slides, is these are not uh, coincidental things. It's not that, oh, they were all united, one heart, one mind, peaceful, uh, all filled with the Holy Ghost, like it says there in 31, um, had this great spiritual society. Oh, and also, as a, you know, they, they also had things in common that, I don't think you can have one without the other. I don't think you can be truly united because I think the natural man, natural woman, the natural person within all of us, as we'll see sort of later, as long as there are those divisions and there are those have and have nots, you're, you're never going to have unity. And the only times that there are united, peaceful, God, I guess, Christian or Christ living uh, civilization in the scriptures they all have this same feature and it's mentioned as though trying to explain this is how we got here this is the only way this works um, any of the, the panelists want to join in or mention something from the chat go ahead
4: i think andy's got something but i'll go ahead and jump in um,
0: so so I, 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 you know, so, so we really get a sense of like what Zion, what unity, what love of God looks like in practice, right? That, and again, like it's not coincidental. It doesn't just happen. You actually do some things that, that help to get us there. Um, and, I, and I'm really, you know, struck by how we see set up here these these structures to get us To have no needy, to get us to create Zion. Um, And that includes, you know, this forgiveness of debt, this, um, you know, generosity of heart. Um, And that's all, you know, kind of this, you know, there's that, that kind of tangible giving, but it also, I think, reflects in other ways of being, right, that we're willing to give ourselves and not separate ourselves off. So I'm thinking about the clip at the beginning and the the kind of pain um, um, of racial violence that, you know, folks, some folks say, you know, like, that's not relevant to them. They, you know, make all sorts of excuses. but, But if we're you know, living according to these rules that are being set up to create Zion, um, that there's no place for that, right? That, that we really are, you know, taking on um, the needs the, of, of the whole community. Um, yeah. The, st- the structures, right? <laughs> the structures, the practice, the like, how do we actually do this, um, you know, really matters.
5: Right. There's a there's a comment in the chat that uh, I, I'd like to pick up on um, by group class four. So that's one of the sort of anonymous ways to participate. The wants and needs phrase is tricky. So easy for a want to seem to be a need. Um, this is a without making light of it. This is a common concern, and and when when we have this kind of discussion when we have this kind of lesson. Um, And it occurs to me as I hear, especially as I read the words, um, all things in common, that um, we all have needs, but we all also have wants. And the uh, idea that all things were in common, um, I think speaks to both the wants and the needs, both the needs and the wants. And... uh, um, it, it is So, kind of a response or a further thought in this, how do we distinguish between wants and needs, is that um, if I think of myself as one with um, the ability to give, the ability to help, um, and others as the needy, then I am in the position of kind of, carefully parsing things out and figuring out how much do you really need and when did that turn into a want? And so I can then help the next or hold it to myself. But if I think of myself as also one of the needy who happens to be blessed in the moment, but tomorrow may be one of the needy. And so now I, now, now us and them becomes all of us. Um, That's, that's a, a further thought to, yeah, I also have needs, but I also have wants and my wants get to count too, I think.
0: Well, and that goes with um, a comment, I think from Haley too, that, I mean, the focus is one soul, one spirit, right. That, um, that is, you know, bigger <laughs> than and, and try and breaks down kind of these divisions, these categories that, that we make.
1: Um, one thing I wanted to mention, Jordan, was, uh, I think in talking about this, my mind inevitably gets drawn to like, you know, h- how can we make an impact in our, in our local communities, right? Like lift where we stand. Obviously that's an intersect politically too. Um, so I think, I mean, if my mind gets drawn to, if, if our goal is to have a society of, um, with, you know, with frankly, like without, you know, homeless people, right. With people who, who do not you know, have those um, problems that we see so so prevalent in our society, using that as an example. I think it's important to focus on within our local communities, you know, what can we do to change that? There's the individual level stuff, but there's also the broader stuff. And I mean, using Utah, right? Salt Lake County where I live as an example, my mind gets drawn to, you know, I want to support or vote for individuals who are pushing for affordable housing, funding education, um, at, at a greater level, focusing on ways that we can truly get at poverty and, and reduce poverty in our communities. And I don't mean to get political and to, you know, I'm not trying to endorse candidates, anything like that, but I'm just being, from my perspective, I think that this should push us to want to, from a, on a political level, support individuals or causes that really try to get at those systemic problems that we see in our own communities.
2: Thanks, Andy. I appreciate that. Um...
4: I think I'm figure that out. So um,
2: that's where you we were. I pulled a few from Doctrine and Covenants. Um, so you can take a look at those. But something that sort
3: of struck me as I read through these types of scriptures um, or two scriptures that talk about this same topic in the Doctrine and Covenants, um, we have something similar to what we've seen before in that first one. Um it is not given that one man should possess that which is above another, wherefore the world lieth in sin, basically saying, you know, because of this great inequality throughout the world, the world lieth in sin. Right? That is a cause of 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 the sinful state of the world. Um, but some of these other ones were interesting to me. Um, in your temporal things you shall be equal and not grudgingly, otherwise the abundance of the manifestation of the spirit shall be withheld. That now when we look as a church community or trying to approach a Zion community, um, it says here we'll, we'll never get there if we're not approaching some sort of equality in terms of temporal things, right? That when our hearts are not set on um, the things of the Lord, when we are more concerned about temporal things, um, Man, certain manifestations of the spirit are going to be withheld because we're we haven't earned them or we're not ready. I think not ready for them is probably the better way to say that. Um, that we as a society have not reached that level of sanctification of uh, consecration that we need in order to receive um, that abundance of manifestations of the spirit. Um, similar um, down in in seventy eight. Um, if you are not equal in earthly things, you cannot be equal in obtaining heavenly things. Um, and then in verse seven, you must prepare yourselves um, for the place in the celestial world by doing the things which I have commanded you and required of you. So not only is it sort of a personal uh, preparation that we need to make and a sanctification in terms of our attitude um, towards the things of this world and riches and, and the poor, but as a society, as a church, We can't get to where we need to go uh, in preparing the world for the second coming of the Savior, as it says in the introduction to the Book of Mormon. We can't prepare the world. We can't prepare this church if we're not wholeheartedly trying to break down um, this inequality between people. We're, We're not ready. There's going to be a withholding of spiritual manifestations until we adopt that attitude. And then of course, the one everyone knows there at the bottom, I have a little typo there, uh, so ignore that. Uh, Be one. If you are not one, ye are not mine. Um, and if we're not his, we can't receive a fullness of his blessings. I'm gonna skip over Alma four because of time, um, but we can talk about 3 Nephi six. Uh, everyone knows, right? 3 Nephi 11 is when uh, the savior visits um, the American continent. And leading up to 3 Nephi 11, um, the Nephites and Lamanites in that civilization um, fall into disarray, right? And everything we read about King Benjamin and Alma, um, all that stuff sort of um, deteriorates. And a lot of times we talk about a pride cycle in the Book of Mormon, right? Um, so I kind of want to look at one of these iterations of this cycle. We skipped over the one in Alma 4, but um, in the 20 and ninth year, there began to be some disputations And some were lifted up unto pride and boasting because of their exceedingly great riches. So this pride cycle that we see in the Book of Mormon over and over, it's tied to and primarily because of wealth inequality. The people began to be distinguished by ranks according to their riches and their chances for learning. Yea, some were ignorant because of their poverty and others did receive great learning because of their riches. If that doesn't sound like our society, I don't know what does, right? And I think it's important to remember, Mormons saw our day and then put together the Book of Mormon for us, right? These weren't for other people. These were for us. 14, there became a great inequality in all the land insomuch that the church began to be broken up. Wealth inequality and the pride of the rich and their persecution or their indifference to the suffering of the poor broke up the church. In 15, now the cause of this great iniquity of the people was this, Satan had great power unto the stirring up of the people to do all manner of iniquity and to the puffing them up with pride, tempting them to seek for power and authority and riches. So when we talk about the pride cycle, I feel like that's like the only thing I remember from like early morning seminary. Uh, When we talk about that, what we're talking about is... inequality it's the poor and the rich it's the haves and the have-nots and i don't think that i think people just say oh people got prideful but what does that mean this is what it means it's that people started thinking that they were better than others because of their wealth in other scriptures they talk about fine clothing and costly apparel and they began to believe it's okay for other people to be suffering um because I deserve to be in my station. So therefore, they
2: must deserve to be in theirs. Um, I just want to see from the chat. Um,
3: I wonder if part of the creation of Zion will happen as we more fully welcome and respect differing beliefs and paradigms of spirituality, bringing peace to our souls that we can believe differently, but still be welcome at church and community together. Thank you. These these messages are so good. I wish I could read all of them. Um, After all of this, obviously we have 3 Nephi 11, and Christ comes and sort of sets up this perfect society, this perfect civilization. And in this perfect civilization, um, they had all things common among them, again, right? And um, no contentions and disputations among them, all things common among them. Um, And I think going back to those spiritual manifestations being withheld, right? In five, we see great and marvelous works were wrought by the disciples of Jesus insomuch that they did heal the sick, raise the dead, cause the lame to walk. This spiritual outpouring came in part because they had cultivated a Zion-esque, a Zion-like society and a key component of that. And the reason I, I mean, I wasn't there. The reason I keep saying it's a key component is because Mormon brings it up every single time. Every time he talks about a society doing well and doing what the Lord wants them to do, it's because they had things common among them, they took care of the poor. Every time he talks about society going bad and things going wrong, it's because people were lifted up in pride because of their riches, and they persecuted the poor and were indifferent to their suffering. This is a key feature as described by Mormon, right? Um, And when we get to the end of of fourth Nephi 1, um, it talks about how, you know, 200 years after the coming of Christ um, to the Americas, the people had multiplied. They become exceedingly rich because they were so prosperous. And what happens in 24? They start to get lifted up in pride, wearing costly apparel. Um, And from that time forth, they did have their goods and their substance no more common among them. And again, 26 began to be divided into classes. Um, And in 28, this church is multiplied seemingly because of iniquity and because of the power of Satan who did get whole upon their hearts. So I just want to end, this is the last slide. When you read the end of the Book of Mormon, it's it's really sad for me um, watching Mormon and Moroni have to witness the destruction of their civilization um, and him having read all the prophecies, you know, I'm sure he knew it was coming. I don't know if that prepares you to actually witness it. And I don't think it does, but what he says to us at the end of, of, um, of Mormon, um, behold, the Lord has shown unto me great marvelous things concerning that which must shortly come at that day when these things shall come forth unto you. So she, so he's talking to us, right? Uh, I speak unto you as if you were present. Um, if ye do, I know that ye do walk in the pride of your hearts, and there are none save a few only who do not lift themselves up in the pride of their hearts, unto the wearing of very fine apparel, and being strives, malice, persecutions. Um, for behold, ye do love money and your substance and your fine apparel and the adorning of your churches more than ye love the poor and the needy and the sick and the afflicted. Hypocrites. Right. Um, He goes on. Why are you ashamed to take upon you the name of Christ? Um, Why do you think that greater is the value of an endless happiness than that misery which never dies because of the praise of the world? Why do you adorn yourselves in that which hath no life and yet suffer the hungry and the needy and the naked and the sick and the afflicted to pass you by and notice them not? Um, In closing, I guess I just want to say that from reading the scriptures in preparation for this, and I appreciate you indulging me in going over time a little bit, um, it's the same words, it's the same phrases over and over, and Mormon makes it extremely clear in the Book of Mormon as he describes these cycles that it's not just pride in the abstract. People were just proud, just just proud, right, just just stiff-necked that it was a focus on and a love of money coupled with an indifference toward the poor and the suffering uh, and sometimes even the persecution of the poor and the suffering that destroyed that civilization um, and that was, as he says over and over, the power of Satan getting hold of the hearts of the people. But every time that the spirit was with them, that they were able to work these miracles, that that the hand of the Lord was present in their lives, it's because they actually cared about everyone in their society to create a Zion society where things were common among them and where no one went away hungry, went away naked, went away thirsty, um, and they cared for all of God's children. Um, are there any comments? I know we're over. Are there any comments from any of the panelists about anything? I'd really appreciate it.
4: Okay. I'm just,
0: uh, yeah, I'm just grateful for this lesson. We can have a chance to chat to a little bit more informally um, after an official close. Um,
2: great.
5: Um, there There's some great comments and chat and, but I, I, I don't want to jump in on time. So yeah. So yeah, yeah let's, let's forego the, the closing
3: um, song. Uh, it's, the uh, NPR Tiny Desk version of silver and gold that we heard at the beginning. It's so good. Um, but so you can look that up on your own if you want, but um, yeah, we can just go to the prayer. That's fine with me. Thank you all for for um, your comments and for participating um, and for this opportunity.
0: Thank you. Go ahead, Ray.
6: <clears throat> Dear Father in heaven, Father, we are so grateful for the time that Jordan took to prepare this message. Father, so many of these things still know us, weighs on our hearts and our minds, and we are so grateful, Father, for the scriptures, for how they can feed and nourish our souls, and how they can testify of Christ and his ways. We pray, Father, that the things that touched us today will um, linger with us, can help change us, help us to act. We pray, Father, that we may choose to serve, choose to love, choose to be more like thy son and to care for thy children here on earth and to seek to live um, in a more common way. We are grateful, Father, for this opportunity we all have to get together and to feast upon the words and to praise thee and seek to become more like thee. And we ask thee, Father, to help us to go our our own ways enriched. And we say this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thanks, Ray.
0: You've been listening to the Dialogue Gospel Sunday Study. Find more of our podcasts at DialogueJournal.com slash podcasts.
4: Dialogue Podcast Network